and they looked at me and they said, it just feels like someone's here. I was like, I know, you're, you're kind of right. There's that eerie feeling. And about that time, a door shot open, a lady ran out screaming, and she was wrapped, her head was wrapped up from chin to head, and she had two black eyes, and she had had some surgery, and she had taken some medicine, I guess, to help with, with some of the pain and the post-op stuff, and she'd fallen asleep and spooked us. It was, man, yeah, it was something else. Welcome to the Arkansas Times Conversation Podcast. My name is Matt Price. So, we've known each other for a long time. Full disclosure, right? Yeah, exactly. Full (laughs) disclosure. We went to high school together. You sold my house, and then also, I guess you facilitated the purchase of my current house? Correct. That's how you would, that's the the right phrase. Buyer representation. There you go, buyer representation. Let's just dive in first Robert is the co-founder and CEO of uh, the property co-founder, group. president, co-founder, president, executive of the, broker, the, the property group, which is a central Arkansas real estate brokerage. Is that the correct? Correct. Uh-huh. Okay. It was founded October, 2012, 2012. So you guys have been around about six years. Yeah. 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 So it's congrats. been amazing, right? Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations on that. I know that it's <laughs> those first couple of years. Are always pretty damn rocky. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a wild ride. But I tell you, uh, I've got a fantastic business partner, Kara Hazelwood. It's a perfect marriage for a partnership, and we wouldn't be where we are without her help. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where we continue to go. So how are how are real estate companies ranked in terms of size? Right? Is it the number of brokers you have? Is the amount? Of- I think it all depends on how you look at. Some brokerages want to do agent count. Okay. Some want to do volume transaction count. Right. So how do you how do you guys view that? We look at our volume, and we do we do pretty well there. I think that you can get into trouble when you look start looking at it from an agent count, and you just start stacking warm bodies in the office. <laughs> uh, that's not our right. approach. Uh, our approach really is trying to find people that buy into the culture that we have, culture that's about high level of service and involvement and commitment to our community. And obviously people that want to get out and do well for themselves and put forth the effort, but also have a high standard of ethics. So when we look, we, we don't look at numbers, we look at quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's our approach. So real estate is obviously an industry that's kind of, that's definitely changing and has changed sure. in the last 10, 15 years with, you know, things like Zillow and just other networks that people are able to access properties, sure. sell their house, do all sorts Social of things. Social media. Right. right. Do, do all these sorts of services themselves. What have you found that's really been a big, how has the property group thrived in that environment? I think when we started out, uh, my partner and I saw a lot of opportunity with the social media side and saw that wasn't really being utilized, especially with it being essentially, at least at first, more of a free platform. Mm-hmm. So we kind of figure out how the algorithms work and put together kind of a marketing plan based around that. Right. And then we've jumped back into some of the traditional marketing, but really harnessed that social media and embraced Zillow and some of these other free platforms that uh, the tech industry has brought right. upon us. So kind of take a lean in type approach. Yeah, I think I don't I think if you, when you look at Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com, we've lost that battle in a sense they're here. Their marketing's been great, but how can we utilize that 
It's kind of a double-edged sword because uh, we don't have as much control over those platforms as we would like, but they're definitely uh, something that we need to utilize, mm-hmm. and we show our agents how to do that mm-hmm. and participate in it. That's great. So real estate agents are working with most people. I would say the average person, and you'll know this better than I will, what, buys a house three, four times in their lifetime? I would say we see people buying every, I guess, repeat clients, customers every five years, five, five to seven. Years. Okay. Um, and I think it, it depends on where you are in your life. You get to a certain point where you hit a certain purchase price or a need right. that, that you're, you're going to stay put for a while. Right. Um, but yeah, probably three or four times. Three or four times. And typically those are stressful times and, and they, lots of lots of very personal decisions and things come out in that process, I'm sure. A lot of emotions involved. Right, Absolutely. a lot of emotions. Uh-huh. So, so I'm curious, there have to be some pretty, well, let's keep it PG rated, interesting. No pun intended. Sto- yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stories where, you know, you're dealing with going into houses and showing them popping in and maybe they didn't know you were on their way. I'm that sure actually some, happened to me last week. Right. I'm yeah. sure there are some great stories about that. I'd love to hear a couple of them. I think that probably you feel like you can share. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, I had that happen to me last week where we surprised the seller. I don't think they got confirmation from their listing brokerage that they had approved the showing. So that was, it spooked both of us, my buyers, uh, myself and, and them. But I think the funniest encounter that I've had, it was a couple of years ago, um, we were showing a house and my buyers and I were walking through and they looked at me and they said, it just feels like someone's here. I was like, I know, you're, you're kind of <laughs> right. There's that eerie feeling. And about that time, a door shot open, a lady ran out screaming <laughs> and she was wrapped, her head was wrapped up from chin to head and she had two black eyes and she had had some <laughs> surgery and she had taken some medicine, I guess, to help with with some of the pain and the post-op stuff and she'd fallen asleep and spooked us. It was, man, uh, yeah, it was something else. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't run into that in their day-to-day. No, no. And we've run into people in the shower before or uh, in the middle of dinner, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. But usually the brokerages and the the showing services are able to communicate when the showing is going to be in that's kind of few and far between now. Right. Yeah, I'm sure it happened. used to happen a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's too funny. I just, I can imagine, you know, it being a highly emotionally charged experience, just knowing from my experience in buying a house, all the details matter, every little thing matters. And then you're going into someone else's house and they currently live there. You know, it's obviously very personal for them. So it's just got to be sure, you know, sure. Like a very sensitive environment with a lot of a lot of opportunities for some funny. Right. And when we try to get and when we're working with sellers, we try to get them to detach from the property and look yeah. at it more as moving an asset. Right. Instead of uh, the place that they raised their children or right. they they remodeled or childhood memories, whatever it may be that pulls on those cord strings there. We try to get them to detach from that. Buyers a lot of times look at it is a financial play and and there's motion there too how is this going to fit my family's needs is my wife going to like this is it checking the box that i have mm-hmm. for must-haves and wants is this going to be a good area for my kids to grow up in will they have friends in the neighborhood does it check the the neighborhood school you know where they're going to be assigned to does it hit all those criteria and so when you have both these parties that have all these 
must and wants and emotions behind it, it can be charged. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about, you know, the family aspect and things like that, you're from Little Rock, you grew up here. Can you talk to me a little bit about your childhood in, in Little Rock, growing up in Little Rock? Who is Robert Klein, I guess? Yeah. Uh, who is? Who Robert is? Uh, that's always a good question. Yeah, I grew up here in Little Rock. My father was an Arkansas State Trooper. Uh, my mom was a school teacher. Both loving parents. Unfortunately, my father was taken from us uh, at an early age, uh, 1984. How old were you? I was four years old. Okay. And that, God, that still weighs on me, and it plays a lot into how I view being a parent now and the importance of that and being present. Right. Now, my dad didn't have a choice in that, but as of right now, I do, and, and being present, not perfect, is the way I kind of live my life in parenting, too. Grew up in a uh, household with uh, two other brothers. I'm the middle son with my amazing mom. Gosh, she was a pistol, and she was just something else, raising three boys by herself. My grandparents on both sides were two hours on each end of the state from us, so it was just my mom and us. And so there was a lot of competition in the house for her attention. Then we lost my mom. Fast forward to 2011, December 1st, I lost my mom. So here I am now with two brothers and without our parents. How far apart are you and your brothers? It's two and a half years trickle down. My older brother's two and a half years older than me, and I'm two and a half older than the the youngest. But uh, all that really kind of shaped me. My dad, though, the thing I hold on most to him and his memory is, and his legacy is he died doing something that he loved, and no one could get him to do anything else. And he was very, very smart. Had a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So I passion and doing something you love and like was instilled in me through him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mom just, she did without a lot of the times for us. We weren't hurting. We were a middle-class family, but she did without a lot so she could provide for us and then give back. Mm-hmm. And that was something that she really instilled in us was the desire, the obligation to give back. Right. And we kind of wrap that up into in, into the property group as well. Okay. So your dad passed in the, the line of duty, is that right? Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's, for those of you that don't know, part of 630, or maybe it's all of 630. The memory mile. It's, it's a mile, a block on 630. My mom, years later when she was able to really talk about what had happened and was open and, and wanting to get back, she, along with another fallen officer's wife started the Arkansas chapter of Concerns of Police Survivors, mm-hmm. and she was instrumental in getting the memorial miles set up around the state for the troopers. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a beautiful tribute. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's great because it's, it's a high-trafficked area. People get to see it a Yeah, lot. I honk every time I go by there, yeah, and I've got, to, I've got my son where <laughs> he, he, uh, he yells when we, when we pass by and reminds me to do so if I don't. Uh, that's great to have that little that memory and see that that's it yeah it's it's beautiful and it's hard sometimes sometimes it depends on what the day's like i i miss him even more when i see that but um i'm glad it's there and i hope other people pause for a moment when they pass by Mm -hmm. and see that Mm -hmm. we went to catholic high together and then Talk to me a little bit about your high school career and then and then into college. I'm sure I can't seem of- to get away from uh, my youth. You know, I bounced around quite a bit of schools when I was younger. 
I, I feel like that's probably helped me pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty good uh, with my career now. But it was a struggle at the time. I think I had a lot of angst when I was younger and misdirected. Pre, preteen angst. It's a, it, exactly. It's, a, yeah, it's yeah, real. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that energy that I had that I couldn't get out and the coming to terms with kind of the way life had played out uh, thus far, you know, it, it was it was misdirected. But now I've got that kind of honed in. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see someone with that energy, if you can get them really focused, I think good things can come. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was somewhat similar. I went to three different schools for sixth grade, seventh grade, and then ninth grade. Sure. So yeah, there was so, a lot So of, my journey was angst. very, very stable up until about the sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, going to the Anthony school, fantastic time there, great teachers, great friendships. And then I broke away to go to Plasky Heights Junior High. And then from there, I went went down to <laughs> Texture Canada to live with my uncle for a minute. And then came back, Pulaski Heights again, then went over to Catholic for a year, then jumped over to Central. Mm-hmm. Had a short stint at a boarding school, <laughs> and then back to Central. So I'm not proud of that, right. but I think all of our experiences and our destinations or stop-offs along the way make us who we are. Sure, and then you went to... To U of A. U of A. So when I went you... to ULR for uh, the first year. Okay. And enjoyed my time there and then went to U- University of Arkansas at Fayetteville and graduated from there. So when you were in college and even in high school, did you think real estate was something you'd get into? No, it wasn't. I really didn't, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's a problem with a lot of people when they leave. Mm-hmm. They're not dialed in. And if you are, that's probably a good thing or a lucky thing. So, and I think a lot of people with real estate kind of fall into it down the road, either by default or just a secondary career. But it's been one that I've loved. I've uh, been in it 11 years now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do anything else. If I lose my passion, I'll move on. But I don't see that ever happening. I think you need to stay passionate uh, for whatever you're doing. Right. We spend a lot of time at work, don't we? Yeah. So we want to, A, work with the people we like right. and, and love what we do. Right. Oh, absolutely. So after college, you got into to real estate? No, no. Not, not directly after college. I had one other position, a sales position, okay. and then, then fell into real estate. Yeah. And you were a broker at a couple, couple local real estate firms? I was a sales associate, just a licensed agent, okay. uh, until the property group where I went on and got my broker's license. So take me from getting into the industry. You worked at a couple different agencies and then you had some life, uh, life happens. And then you got into starting the property group. I mean, there's obviously well, I, a good story there. Sure. Sure. I think the property group was kind of born out of innovation or a need for innovation, a different way of doing business. And my partner and I were pretty consistent on, our ethics, our marketing, our desire to provide a certain service, and then that element I talked about earlier of having a company that was really entrenched in our community and one that gave back. You know, I think a big aha moment for me, or was it time is now, you know, mortality is something I've been faced with at an early age with my father's passing, but I lost my mom December 1st of 2011, and I don't know if I would be here with the property group if my mom was still alive, but that was a big catalyst for me. Why was that? Why was that a catalyst? I think, you know, there's no time like the present. I think when you're faced with losing another 
your other parent and seeing that life is short, mm-hmm. that you kind of the seize the day mentality. Right. That's kind of what I subscribed to at the time. And um, I had an opportunity with reaching out to Kara that just made sense. Mm-hmm. And we ran with it. Had you guys worked together previously? At our previous brokerage, yeah, we worked together. And we, we saw a lot of consistent styles, level of service. And then also we complement each other very well. So it kind of grew out of that. Right. So was she at the same same point as you were and what ready to take the leap? And ready yeah, to I think we thing? both were encountered with reasons for doing what we were doing or going to do outside of just being on the same page with our marketing. Yeah. Right. It didn't take like a hard sell from you. Like, come on, we got to do it. Now's the time. It's... Who wouldn't want to work with me? Right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I think that we were, it, it was kind of serendipity. Yeah. yeah. So you take the leap, you start property group. It sounds like you already had a, a good partner, good business partner to fantastic start with. Partner. Fan, a fantastic business partner yeah. to start with. So tell me about those first six months, those, that first 12 months, because I have to imagine there were a lot of challenges in there. Yeah, it was it was an adventure, and we had big ideas, and we uh, we had a lot of energy, and it was part. We didn't have children at the time. We didn't have a lot of things pulling our focus away. We could really delve completely into it. Um, but yeah, it was. We had a, a roadmap that we had put together, and we stuck to the plan. And we still, to this day, look at ourselves like a startup. We want to stay hungry when you want to stay humble i think when you start to let your ego get in the way or you're get tired or lazy then you kind of lose a step Mm -hmm. and we we want to stay in that startup mind frame right so in those first few years what was probably your biggest uh, failure Ooh, biggest failure or maybe your biggest lesson learned you know, I read, I read a fantastic book uh, not too long ago, uh, Ego is the Enemy. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't read it, I think it's Ryan Holiday. Yeah. It's a yeah, great read. It is a good book. I think that we we got a little excited at times and tried to push a little too much instead of, hey, let's sit back for a second and make sure we're all dialed in correctly. Mm-hmm. But I don't really remember a big uh, roadblock or stumbling point. We're really good at communicating with each other mm-hmm. and being honest and calling each other on what we see uh, needs to be changed. And that's helped us. And being open to that has really helped us kind of uh, offset some, I guess, some potential potholes. What about in terms of a new market, like a new entry to the marketplace? I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the re- local real estate industry, except most of the names are pretty familiar sure. and they seem to have been around a long well, time. W- one thing that we decided when we, we started um, was that we weren't going to have a company with our names on it, that we see that a lot in the marketplace. There's a lot of our market really is kind of dominated by independents, not big national brands, brokerages. Right. We do have them here, but a lot of uh, the business comes from independents. And, but we didn't want it to be a, our names. It wasn't about us. Mm-hmm. This was maybe kind of hokey, but we had a higher desire or mission for our company that we wanted it to be something that could be passed along and continue right. to grow and, and not focused on us, but focus on the consumer and focus on our culture right. and focus on giving back and the agents within our office. I adore everybody that works at the office and is a part of our 
brokerage and I want them to succeed and I don't want it to be about me. Right. Well, that's kind of kind of like what the advice sounds like you give to sellers as well, right? It's like you need to detach yourself. This isn't about you necessarily. Sure, sure. You know, you want to build the asset and, and right. focus on creating, you know, processes that can can go forward and remove yourself from the equation. Sure. We're all about systems. I mean, that's how yeah. you're most efficient and the market's only going to bear what it's going to bear. I think the biggest hardship is really staying focused and putting in the work. Right. And that's a problem with our industry, too, because as a, a real estate agent, there's a lot of flexibility with schedule. Mm-hmm. And that can end up, that flexibility, which is nice, can also eat you up and, and pull you away from your successes. And that's the same thing as a, a small business owner is, you know, the buck stops with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, as humans, we can rationalize pretty easily. That's right. probably what gets us in a lot yeah. of trouble, yeah. right? Where there's always <laughs> tomorrow, there's always later. But I think that's the been our biggest hardship is to continue to, to detach from just the solo standalone agent to now we're running this company. We have ideas. We have people that depend on us. And really, it goes it goes outside of the nine to five. I mean, I I'm, I'm always thinking real estate. I'm always thinking how we can interject in the, to the community, mm-hmm. how we can improve. And I don't ever really shut off. And I think that's the biggest hardship of being a startup, being a small business is committing your time to it. Right. Right. Just maintaining the focus to, Absolutely. to, to learn it and to understand the market better. And sure. I, in my experience, some of the biggest, the biggest hurdles that I had no idea of getting when I got into it wasn't so much the market issues or, right. you know, learning this specific skill set or meeting the right people necessarily. It was my own personal hardships. Like I needed to learn how to cope with certain situations better. Sure. You know, and those those kind of like creating new mental models sure. to, and, to deal with those sorts of issues. And there's so many other departments inside of a business outside of a sales side of it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of back end work that has to be done and you always have to continue being a student. I don't, I don't know how the quote goes. I may butcher this, but is it as our island of knowledge grows, so does our shore of ignorance. Oh, huh. I've never heard that, but that makes sense. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and the more you learn, the more right situations or new situations you're exposed to, and you have to figure out how to address those as they come up. Mm-hmm. I think it, once you close yourself off to not being a lifetime student of your craft, right. then that's really where you run into problems. And a lot of people want to get into a business and think, okay, this is going to be big money. This is going to be easy. I know people will, you know, it it should just kind of, as I sketch it on a napkin, it all play out and that's not how it is. Right. So I think biggest hardship is continuing to be focused. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that applies to, to most new businesses. Sure. Out of the gate and existing companies. And you have to have support of everybody around you when you embark on something like that, because it does pull personal time. Mm -hmm. But I look at the end game and look at how our success can help affect uh, interject into the community, how I can provide experiences for my son, 
And I just get a lot of satisfaction from seeing the people in my office succeed. Right. Right. So you've built the business. It's six years old. Correct. Yeah. What do you think the next six years is going to look like? The next 10 years for the property group? What do you want it to look like? Where do you see it? Sure. Sure. We always talk, Karen and I always talk about, we want growth, but we want strategic growth. Mm -hmm. We don't want to add a bunch of agents for the sake of adding agents and, and swelling that number. We want to add people that we enjoy being around, that enjoy uh, us as well, that want to give back to the community. So I really feel like we grow in numbers, but not not to where it affects our values. Mm-hmm. And that we, what I really want to see grow is how we can keep continuing to help help Little Rock and its right. surrounding areas. I mean, I know that may sound kind of hokey, but that's really my focus. Right. And I do think that if you continue to sharpen the axe and stay on top of the trends and provide that high level of service, everything else is going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've worked with folks that are moving in from other places. What, what sort of feedback have you heard from them? I think actually a lot of people are pleasantly surprised. I think our own citizens here beat our city up a lot harder than a lot of people coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that come here, they're pleasantly surprised. I think Little Rock has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can start focusing on those good selling points, well, it makes our job a little easier. <laughs> right. uh, but also I think it perpetuates that. I think if we focus on the negative all the time, then that's going to be a problem and continue down that cycle. I, I, I think that we have a lot of talented people here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see that I've heard a couple of your past guests. I'm inspired by them. I'm inspired by where their vision is for our city. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we continue to highlight that, mm-hmm. I mean, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think the future looks good. Right. You talked about how the property group gives back a lot. Can you give me some examples? I know you guys have done some work with sure. the Hunger Relief Alliance. Um, our big focus. So when when we started. You know, I went back to what my mom always said growing up, and it was, if you do well, you do good. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, how can we do that? Let's come up with kind of a philanthropy wing or arm of the company, and and, and then we'll start looking at options of how we can get involved and how our agents can get involved and hands-on. And uh, we had, for the first two years, two different uh, nonprofits that do phenomenal work, single-parent scholarship fund we were involved in, and uh, the Arkansas Prostate Cancer Foundation, they're both doing uh, great things. But I felt like we, there was an opportunity that we could do a little more hands-on. And I remember as a big brother in Fayetteville to a, a child, um, how his struggles with hunger each day and how that really played into how he performed. And I don't think anybody can be at their best when they're hungry. And that kind of spoke to me. So I said, okay, what? who's here in Little Rock that's got a, a strong mission and is giving back to people here in Arkansas? And I found the Rice Depot, went and sat down with them, talked to them about some opportunities, how we could engage and what their needs were. And that started our partnership. Then obviously the, the Rice Depot and the food bank emerged. They both have similar missions, mm-hmm. and it made sense for them. And so the food bank has stayed. 
our partnership. Um, we've been with them for four years now, and we, we give uh, 100 meals per closing. We also uh, have done pack shacks where we assemble meals for the backpack program for the kids at various schools. And then we do a food drive every year. We just wrapped our food drive, and we were able to give uh, a little over 6,300, almost 6,400 meals with that two-week drive. Last year, uh, I helped chair Harvest Night at the food bank, and we brought in enough for, I think, 300,000 meals. And these are all opportunities where our agents can engage their clients, engage our vendors, their family and friends, and it's something that they can get behind. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge need. I mean, it blows my mind that Arkansas is so high in, in senior food insecurity right and children and youth yeah yeah youth it's profound it is and my biggest struggle each day and it's shameful is where am i going to eat yeah you know (laughs) that was always such argument at my house like pizza or mexican yeah Yeah. what are we going to eat where are we going to go right and there's people that are like well where's it just going to come from yeah so that i I want to continue that relationship they're phenomenal folks at the food bank and they've been a big help in helping us set up that infrastructure for this partnership mm-hmm. um, but it goes back to caring about your community right and it goes and I think everybody can make a difference whether it's a company or an individual mm-hmm. and I think we express that when we do our food drive if you've only got two cans in your cupboard that's fine that still is going to help feed somebody mm-hmm. or if you want to give five bucks or right. or whatever it is I think and if we take that mindset Arkansas, Little Rock, Central Arkansas, whatever label you want to put on it, mm-hmm. um, is going to continue to to improve. Right, right. It's just tragic that food insecurity is such an issue in anywhere in the United States, and then in Arkansas, it's even worse. Absolutely. I mean, it's just it's one of the the things that just makes. I mean, no sense. have you ever tried going a whole day without eating? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> your work suffers, your right. relationships suffer. So your overall mood is so impacted, and yeah. there's people that that's a common occurrence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing stories about kids, I mean, that get their the majority of their meals, almost all their meals, at school. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Breakfast and, when, and lunch. And when summer comes, right. th- there's that break in those meals. And, and my work and my success, I want to turn around and give back. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a U-Haul following a hearse, you can't take it with you, right? <laughs> right? So, so, and it's not even about a legacy or anything. It's about just being able to impact someone's lives. Mm-hmm. And if, if I'm able to do that, then, and they can flourish, what good can they do? Right. Right. It's a multiplier. Yeah, absolutely. And really that should be a lesson for everyone, right? What you can really only hope to do is to, to inspire more people in what you're doing, being an example and showing them, that there are other ways to do things. Sure, um, absolutely. And so that's great. And I commend you and, and well, thank what you. the property well, group does on that. And I want to thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Um, and I, I love what you're doing, Matt. And, and uh, <laughs> the conversation it. with, I was humbled to be on the show. And I, I don't know if I, hopefully I get what you're looking for. But you've, you've got a good thing going here. And there's a lot of exciting people out here in our community that need to be on here, that need to be showcased. So right. we can see that Little Rock has a bright future. Right. Absolutely. Well, and the next person we're showcasing is Twitter famous weatherman, Todd Yacobian. Oh, nice. From Channel 7. I always get my storm coverage. Yeah, I know. My wife was like, you are going to be like a kid in a candy shop. I was 
See, see, I love those weather models and all that. Do you like stuff. storms? Yeah, I love them. Oh, they scare Absolutely. they scare me. Like I would be the first one in the bathtub with the <laughs> pillow when Todd starts tweeting that right, we right. got issues. Yeah, and and we haven't fortunately been hit with anything where I'm at, but. They scare me. Yeah. I'm one of those idiots that once the sirens go off, you walk outside. I walk outside. <laughs> I'm like looking up. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to, to scratching my weather. Well, he's sharp. He's yeah, sharp. He yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Well, thanks again, Robert. You and bet. Like I said, next week we'll have Channel 7's Todd Jacobian on to talk here on the conversation. Thanks a lot. Tune in next week. podcast you just heard was recorded with anchor if you want to make your own download the android or ios app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast that's anchor.fm slash podcast